The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. So, Matthew chapter 4, we're going to be looking at, after Jesus got baptized, we saw that last week, um, after identifying with sinners in his baptism, Jesus next identifies with them again in severe temptation. We're not going to follow Jesus as he goes from the baptism, the Holy Spirit comes on him in the form of a dove, but before he can begin his ministry, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he prays and fasts for 40 days and nights. At the end of that, you can imagine what you're feeling like, you know, spent and exhausted, the devil comes at his weakest, and there is a confrontation, uh, the ultimate, you know, boxing cage fight match of the universe, Jesus and the devil. And the devil comes at him from every angle, um, and Jesus defeats him every single time. Can I hear a hallelujah on that? But Jesus, okay, so you say, well, good, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Son of God, uh, he defeated the devil. But where does that leave us? I want you to listen and pay very careful attention this morning because what Jesus did, he did as the Son of Man. He did it in his humanity, so he gives us a model. In fact, there's a weapon that Jesus uses to defeat the devil from every angle and every single time. That weapon is available to every child of God. You can have that weapon, know how to use that weapon, and defeat Satan every time. You ready to get into it? All right, let's bow our heads. Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for those who are visiting here with us today, those who are watching uh, and listening. And we pray that we might hear what the Spirit would say to us. Uh, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places and principalities. So, Lord, we want to know your word. We want to know your will. uh, And we want to know the tactics so that we, too, uh, do not have to be defeated or overcome by the enemy, but that we will follow the living example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray and ask all these things. And everyone said, amen. Okay, so we've got four life lessons. We're going to go through the first 11 verses of Matthew 4 that cover this time of temptation. So number one, Jesus shows us the way to overcome temptation. So uh, chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. All right, if you're a believer here this morning... You get saved, you get born again, and the the idea is that when we get saved and born again, you're, you're literally, spiritually, like a baby. But God's intention is never to leave you as a little baby. The the desire and the goal of every parent, and surely uh, the heart of our heavenly Father, is that from a baby you would grow up, that you would grow to your full maturity, to your full height. Uh, to your full potential, to a full spiritual son or daughter conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
After you're saved and born again, you know, there's kind of a nice little honeymoon period in the beginning, but there will come a time where he will lead you by the Spirit into the wilderness. The wilderness uh, is, a, is a dry place. It's an arid place. It's a place where there's nothing else. <laughs> a few animals and, and a lot of sand and the sun. Uh, and, and yet we find that all of the prophets of God at some point would be drawn into the wilderness. And in that place, every other worldly distraction is taken and put aside. It's where you can draw near to God. I may be speaking to someone here this morning that you're like, I think that, you know, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm in a lonely place or like a wilderness place. Don't be discouraged. This is the plan of God. This is the pattern of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he brings us into a place of isolation. Why? So that we can draw near to God. You start, you know, you don't have the same distractions of the noisy city and the push and the pull and demands of all other human beings. It's now just you and the Lord. And so Jesus went into the wilderness led by the Spirit. He's praying. He's communing. He's drawing near to God. We are right now, we believe in that, that 40-day window. Recently, we just had uh, the first day of Elul. The same 40 days that Moses went up and was on Mount Sinai, we're in that 40-day window right now. And it's believed by some that that's the same uh, 40 days that Jesus himself was in the wilderness. So this is a great season right now to fast and pray, seek the Lord, and draw near to him. Now, at the same time, the devil comes to tempt him. Um, and Jesus was not, let's state this, Jesus was not tempted so the father could learn anything new about his son. He had already given his blessing. Uh, one of the three times that God spoke from heaven and shook the universe and the earth when Jesus had just been baptized, it was like the Father could not hold it back. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And he shook the earth. So Jesus had already received the blessing and favor of his Father. Uh, Jesus wasn't being tested to prove anything. So what was going on? Jesus was tempted in order that he might defeat the devil and that every creature in heaven, on earth, and under the earth might know that Christ is a conqueror for all time and all eternity over every attack and device of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he, in this temptation, exposes the devil and he exposes the tactics of the enemy and he gives us keys to defeat the devil all who follow him. So you remember now, it's interesting that Adam, uh, he met the devil in a beautiful garden. Jesus meets the devil in the wilderness. Adam lost everything and plunged all of humanity into generations of death and defeat. Jesus won the battle and all the way up into the cross where he finally forever defeated the devil. So uh, let's go to the first of the three temptations. The first temptation was about challenging the identity of Jesus. So, okay, we're going to look at that and read it in verses 1 through 4, uh, beginning in verse 1 again. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he, Jesus, had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, 
So it's the end of that time. Afterward, he was hungry, I guess so. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So basically, the the devil comes to Jesus and says, if you're the Messiah, the anointed one of God, prove it. And I want you to note here something, especially if you're taking notes, which I recommend. Satan tempts Jesus to take a shortcut to revealing his true identity, uh, his messianic identity. Feed your flesh. You're hungry. You have the power. So use it. Turn some stones into a loaf of bread. This is a great tactic of the enemy. Know this, the devil always, how does he tempt frail human beings? How does he come to you and me when we're weak and when we are isolated? Here's what he comes and he whispers, hey, I know this has been long, it's been hard, you've been making all these sacrifices, hey, I've got a shortcut. The devil always, always offers what appears to be a shortcut to revelation, to identity, to the power and the glory of the kingdom. But I'll tell you this, every time he offers a shortcut, the only thing that will happen is you'll be cut short. (laughs) You will be denied. Uh, Now, this was not a temptation, interestingly. You, You think the devil might say, hey, why don't you turn these stones into piles of cash, uh, wealth? But he only says, turn it into bread. Now, What's wrong with that? I mean, Jesus is a human being. He has been praying and fasting and communing with God for 40 days and nights. What is wrong with turning stones into bread? What's interesting is, and we know in the Gospels, there are many accounts of Jesus actually kind of doing something very similar. He multiplied a couple of loaves of bread into much bread that would feed thousands of people. In fact, later in another Gospel, it says the angels came and ministered unto him and helped to feed him. Well, he ate some kind of miraculous bread there. What is so wrong about him turning bread or stones into bread here? Listen, if Jesus at that time and at that moment had turned stones to bread, it would have broken everything because he would have been doing it at the instigation of Satan, not God the Father. That's a very, very important point. Because sometimes we think that, you know, it's the behavior that is, you know, it's godly or it's demonic or whatever. No, it really is a much deeper issue. It's a matter of the heart. This whole issue that we're getting, looking into and in, into the, uh, the temptations of the devil, Satan is trying to come between God and his son, Jesus Christ. They have this intimate, close, eternal perspective and relationship, and the devil is stepping between God and Jesus saying, hey, why don't you listen to me? Why don't you follow me? He instigates, and and that would have been the great uh, sin right there. So he's tempting him, hey, you can do it. You need it. If you're really the son of God, prove it. I think it's interesting how Jesus responds. He responds this way, it is written. Would everybody say that out loud with me? It is written. 
How, what, what is the weapon? By the way, the weapon that Jesus uses against the devil is the same weapon he will use for temptation number two, and it's the same weapon he will use for temptation number three. It's called the weapon of the Word of God. You and I need to know the Bible. I, look, <laughs> I encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. The, the, the Word of God, every word is in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul writes to this young man, Timothy, he's discipling. He says, Scripture is uh, inspired of God. It literally in the Greek means God breathed. The breath of God, the Creator who has the power to make all things exist, He says it and it's so. He, he creates with His mouth uh, through his word, whatever he said was. The whole universe, which we still have not seen the end of, came out of the word of God. He spoke it into existence. We need to therefore know the word, and you're responsible to know the word. Read through the word. And I believe we should read it all the way through. If you don't have one, get a Bible reading plan and go from Genesis to Revelation. Now, it's interesting that Jesus used Scripture to battle Satan's temptation. And what's interesting, uh, he says here, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What Jesus was saying is there is something more important to a physical human being than even physical bread, because bread only nourishes our flesh. But the bread of life, the bread of the Word of God, nourishes our spirit for all of eternity. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Later, Jesus in ministry, he would say, I am the bread of life. My words are spirit and they are true. Uh, so every word of the Bible and every word of Jesus is the Word of God. It's powerful when it's used, and the devil... He couldn't do anything about that. He was blocked, and he had to try a different strategy and a different tack. So we come to the second temptation. The second temptation is about making a deal with God. Now, this is a very, very interesting one. Look with me in verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. All right, so here's what the devil will try to do. Number one, he tries to have you do a shortcut. Number two, he tries to have you make a deal. He's always wanting you to make a deal. Either you can make a deal with the devil, or even if you make a deal with God, the whole idea of Satan is just make a deal. Because in making a deal, every time you make a deal, it gives you a measure of some control, and, and it really puts you in the position where I can step out and away from my obligation or my relationship maybe with God. Now, what's interesting here is the second temptation begins by Satan saying this, for it is written. How many of you know the devil knows the Bible? He knows the whole Bible. In fact, 
you can bet the devil has memorized the Bible himself. He's a very smart dude. He has heard it all, he has read it all, and he has, I believe, memorized, but he is an expert at quoting it out of context to confuse and to defeat those whom he tempts. Yes? And so he quotes Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Now, this is a beautiful, one of the most beautiful psalms of the psalms. It's talking about, you know, God's protection of us, and he'll give his angels charge concerning you to watch over you and keep you and to protect you in all your ways, lest you even dash your foot against a stone. And interestingly, the devil takes Jesus in the spirit. There are no time and distance, so he takes Jesus from the wilderness, and there's Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple. Interesting, we believe the pinnacle of the temple is the south uh, eastern corner of the temple, um, and, and it's the wall where the eastern gate is through, and if you look at it from the Mount of Olives, you see the southwest corner, and it literally from the top of the wall of the Temple Mount area, and, and the corner goes down, and then it meets uh, the, the ground, but there's a, there's a valley it's not like there's dirt right here. It keeps, it goes down the Kidron Valley. So it's literally hundreds of feet high. And he brought Jesus to the corner of the temple. How many of you don't like heights? And especially standing on the corner, you know, uh, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon and you're standing and you get that weird feeling, ah, I don't like those kind of heights. So there's Jesus. And the devil says, he quotes Psalm 91. Hey, the Bible says, hey, jump off. You're the Messiah. But these people don't know that. But the Bible says he'll protect you. So jump off the pinnacle, and then all the angels will come and make sure you land safely on the ground, and everybody, hey, he must be the Messiah. Shortcut. Devil, you know, so you don't have to do all that suffering stuff, and you've been praying and fasting. That's hard. Jump off the corner, and it will prove. Ooh, he's wanting literally to have Jesus make a deal. Now, here's what, how Jesus responds um, in verse 7, and I love how, what Jesus says, and this should be an encouragement for you. You, you and I got to really know our Bible because the devil already knows the Bible. Here's what Jesus said. It is written again. <laughs> I'm emphasizing the word again. I want you to underline that word again. Why? Because Jesus is showing we can never cut off one part of Scripture from another part of Scripture. You have to compare Scripture with Scripture. You have to put the whole Word of God together. Look, you can prove almost anything if you take one Bible verse out of its context and use it to say something. And here's what's fascinating. When the devil quotes the Bible that he knows, Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, he left a little phrase out of his quote. Oh, if you're not listening, if you don't know the word, it could sound like, well, oh, yeah, I guess, okay. Do you know that, that there have been people through the ages, you know, because, you know, Moses and, and the Red Sea and Joshua and the Jordan River, and so... There are the Christians who have presumed that, well, just like the Bible, I, I'll go in and God will part it, and they've gone into these rushing rivers at times of floods, and they've been swept away and drowned. Lord, you're going to do this. Hey, the Bible's don't tempt God. Don't put God to the test. 
Now, it's one thing if God is the one saying, lift your rod and I'm going to open it up. It's another thing for the devil to say, prove it, make a deal. God, you got to show up and do something to prove this is your son. That's a very different thing. What I'm saying is that, and, I, and look, uh, this is so subtle that we don't realize that we, we very easily can do it or slip into it. Here's what we do. And the devil's whispering in your ear because you're struggling. Maybe you're, you're having financial trouble. Maybe you're having some physical uh, impairment and you need to get healed and you need God to show up. And, and so the, de- the devil comes to you and he says, hey, why don't you make a deal with God? If you're the God that's all loving and all powerful and do whatever you want, then heal right now this. Give me that job. If you do it, I'm yours. You don't do it, then you're not who you say you are. Listen very carefully to me. When you make that kind of a deal, that's witchcraft. Because you have now put yourself in the position of based on how God performs what I've just asked, I get to judge him. How many know we're not the ones supposed to be judging God? God is God is God. You never, because a deal with God gives you a sense of control, and in the back of your mind, the devil knows it's your out option to say, I did that, I thought that, I tried that, he didn't show up, and therefore it's not real. And you go, got another one. The whole problem with this is the instigation of the idea of making the deal was not God. You know, if God the Father told Jesus, this is what I want you to do, that's one thing. When it's the devil saying, prove that this is real, do it. That's where it is wrong. So Jesus responds with Deuteronomy 6.16. When we tempt God and put ourselves in circumstances that force Him to work miracles on our behalf, and it's not been led of Him, it's not of the Lord. It is not at all from God. So you shall not tempt the Lord your God warns us against demanding something spectacular from God to prove his love or his concern for us. I want to tell you something. God has already proved and demonstrated beyond all, uh, you know, doubt his love for you. And he did, he proved it already before you were ever conceived or before you were ever born. He demonstrated and proved his love for you 2,000 years ago when God sent his son from heaven to this earth and when Jesus surrendered his body to take your sins and my sins and our guilt and our shame and our punishment and he was crucified for our sins and then he died and was buried and then he rose from the dead. He proved that he loved you. He doesn't need to prove it anymore for the rest of eternity. Hallelujah. Therefore, read with me Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It wasn't after you got saved. It wasn't after you repented. It wasn't after you started following the Lord that he loved you. But while we were still sinners, while we were still arrogant, while we were still rebellious, while we were still turning our backs against God, while we were still enemies of Christ, then he died for us. Then he was crucified for us. How much more does he love us now that we've turned around and follow him? 
All right, let's look at the last, final third temptation. In the, whoops, I went too fast there. In the spiritual language, this whole thing of temptation is a legal battle over lordship. Jesus is Lord. Can everybody say that out loud with me? Jesus is Lord. That means he gets to direct and give the shots, not the devil. We never have to do something or be… Look, the devil not only tricks you, he not only tries to give you a shortcut, he not only tries to make deals, uh, but he tries to pressure you. So, never respond uh, to pressure. That's not of the Lord. Look with me in verse 8. It says, again, the devil took him on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Again, the devil offers Jesus a shortcut to his kingdom. Jesus knew that he must suffer and die before he entered into his glory. But Satan is saying, if you'll bow down and worship me just this one time, you can, you can bypass all that suffering. I'll give you all the kings and all their kingdoms and all the glory. I'll give it all to you. Just bow down to me and worship me just this once. I want you to note something. Satan has always wanted worship because Satan has always wanted to be God. He never can be God because he is a created being. He was created by the only being who is not created, and that is God. If you want to write this scripture down, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, a very, very important verse. It's the original sin of the universe. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 14. Satan, Lucifer, an angel uh, that was beautiful and amazing and glorious and called the anointed. Did you know that, that uh, Lucifer was called the anointed cherub? He was a cherub of cherubim, highest order of angel, and he was beautiful and he was glorious and he fell in love with himself. He said, I want to I worship me. I want to be God. I will be like God. I will be like the Most High. I will cause all to worship me. You know, it's interesting that New Age teaches, and boy, New Age has infiltrated everything. Have you noticed? New Age thinking, teaching, it's even tried to filter within the church. New Age teaches, listen, that everything is God. Everything is divinity, whether it's an immaterial object uh, whether it's a building, uh, you know, the clouds, animals, uh, you, everything is God and everything is equal to God. And you're all divine, but it's on the inside and you just don't know it. It needs to come out. I don't know. I, I look around. I don't see a lot of divinity coming out of human beings around the earth. <laughs> now, there, let me just share with you this. There is one, one word that we have from our weapon, the Word of God. In one word, I can destroy new age with one word. Here's the word, holy. Say holy. holy. God is holy. Now, what does the word holy mean? Um, 
you know, we think of the word holy as, you know, being something, you know, righteous and something good or, or whatever, which it is. But did you know that the word holy really means separated from you, from me? God is distinct. He is profoundly other. In fact, he goes on to say, his ways are not our ways, nor are his thoughts our thoughts. Um, God is separate from his creation, distinct, profoundly other. The very word Emmanuel, which means God with us, means that he previously was not with us. He's different from us. Emmanuel means it is amazing that God took on human form to live among us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. If everything is God, listen to this, if everything and everybody is all God and part of God, here's the problem with New Age. There is no worship in the universe. If everything is God, not only is there no worship in the universe, uh, if everything is God, there's no submission, there's no repentance of sin, there's no surrender, there's no trust, and there's no hope for change because it's all, it's all God. And I think it's interesting that uh, Jesus responds in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Can you say Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. If you will believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you've just said that, salvation has come to you. Do you know that's why in heaven, even the highest beings of creation, cherubim and seraphim, the closer they get to the manifestation of the eternal God and His glory, you guess what they cry out continuously day and night? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God who was and who is and who is to come. It, you know, I want to just say this. I think it's kind of obvious, but um, isn't it a relief that you're not God? <laughs> Last service, I had this wife, and she elbowed her husband. I told you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But there are some people that act like it and think like it. No, we're not God. We need to worship and it's the most beautiful thing in the world to, to know you're not the end-all, be-all, and that God is other, God is distinct, God is separate, and God is high, and God is holy, and God is love, and God is light, and God has made us in His image and after His likeness, and He caused us to be born into His family. I mean, you know, how, how amazing. We're in the family of God. I, we get to be his sons and his daughters in a loving, familial, kingdom, royal relationship for all of eternity. We, we, we don't need, we can't get any higher than that. So with that, I want you to close your Bibles and stand up, put away your notes, stand up. I'm going to ask Gary Ray to come out and let's talk, let's sing about that. But I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a quick moment. There's a very, very important uh, 
that I want you to do, you know, individually right now, but I want us to do collectively. If you have ever in your life made a deal with God, and maybe you did it when you were, you know, it's amazing how simple and subtle we can do it. God, if you're God, and if you're really everything you say, you'll do this, and you're, you're basically tempting God. You're, you put yourself in a position to judge Him based on what? Your opinion? Your, his performance to you? Look, that came from the devil. We're never to judge God. We're never to make a deal with God. He's our creator, and he loves us. We're to submit to him, surrender to him, uh, need him, love him, adore him, worship him, and we can have an int- a tremendous intimate relationship with him. But if you've, ever, if you've made a deal with God, that could be… I want you to confess it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I'm telling you, deal-making is equivalent to witchcraft. It's demonic. It can leave a stronghold. So just say, God, have mercy. Forgive me. Lord, I'm never making a deal like that again. And I will know the next time somebody offers me a shortcut or a deal, that's the devil. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And the only thing that I have left is to worship you, (laughs) surrender to you, submit to you. Repent from my ways of thinking and give my life to your ways of thinking. So hallelujah. Lord, we just received now that forgiveness for deal-making or the shortcuts we've tried to satisfy our own flesh and our own ways, probably at the suggestion of the whisper of the serpent. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Have mercy upon us. Thank you that you've sent Jesus so you wash us and cleanse us by your blood. We receive that forgiveness now. And then, oh, how beautiful and what a joy it is that we get to, the most beautiful experience of a created being is the the capacity to worship, not ourselves, but to worship God, to worship the Father, and to worship our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, how we thank you for this honor and this privilege. You said, I will come and I will inhabit the very praises of my people. So take a deep breath. And now we've confessed, let it all out and go. And now let's enter into the courtroom of heaven and let's worship the only one worthy of our praise. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.